Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. I hope that you're doing well here on this Monday, February 5th, 2024. On today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils, we're going to talk about Saturday's game against the North Carolina Tar Heels. That was not fun to endure as North Carolina defeats our Duke Blue Devils by nine points in Chapel Hill. We're going to break down the game with our good friend Josh Cox throughout today's program. If you have not done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Also, make sure that you take the opportunity to watch the show each and every day on YouTube. Hit that like button on these videos. Share them with your friends. More importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel as your support means so much to us here on Locked On Blue Devils. Again, Duke Falls on Saturday in Chapel Hill. Not fun. It's never fun to talk about a Duke loss. It's really never fun to talk about a loss to those guys eight miles down the road in Chapel Hill. But look, that happened. We've seen it before, and it happened once again on Saturday night. So without further ado, let's bring on Josh Cox, who was in attendance there inside the Smith Center on Saturday night to discuss everything that you need to know about this game. Josh, welcome on in. Hope you're having a good start to the week. And uh, I think we're all feeling a little bit better than we were on late Saturday night. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Give it 24 hours, right? Give it 48 hours after a game. Um, And it, it usually puts things in perspective a little bit better, you know. Uh, Super Bowl week coming up too. You know, you got some other other focuses, so it's good. But obviously, yeah, Duke goes in to Chapel Hill, um, hoping to steal one uh, there, and uh, you know, like we did last year, um, but just didn't happen. And so, um, you know, a lot of reasons for that that we're going to talk about on the show. Uh, not the end of the world uh, for Duke for sure. Uh, correctable, uh, in my opinion, correctable mistakes and and uh, things like that. Moving on uh, further into the season. And so we'll see how Duke learns from this loss. A lot of numbers that you can look at for this Duke game that would make you believe Duke came out on top, but that was just not the case. Three 20-point scores, Duke pretty dominant when you look at points in the paint versus their opponents, consistent and and pretty even on the rebounding uh, battle on the glass there. But all in all, the big takeaway from head coach John Shire was that the uh, their, a lack of energy and effort kind of told the story in Chapel Hill. Could you see that in the building? Yeah, I mean, it It seemed like every 50-50 ball wound up in the hands of a UNC player. It seemed like, uh, you know, they, they were the first to the ground. Uh, they they were just a step quicker um, than Duke uh, on Saturday night. And um, it was very obvious. It was very obvious. There was, you know, there. there I'm not going to say that Duke comes out, you know, at less than 100% in any way. Um, but maybe it's just that home crowd. I don't know. I mean, they were. It just seems like that the UNC, you know, the entire roster, everyone that played was just a little more juiced up than Duke. And you know, I, you would hope that Duke would match that, but that's that's easier said than done. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, look, if you if you want to look at reasons, you know, ultimately effort and like that, just like grit. If that was a stat, effort and grit. UNC won those those stats for sure. And so they came out with the win, not just because of that, but that had something to do with it. 
Yeah, they had some massive individual performances themselves that we'll get into a little bit later here in the program. But again, just talking about some of that energy and effort, talking about the flow of this game with eight and a half minutes to play in the first half. It's tied at 22, a really fun back and forth in that first part of the first half. North Carolina grabs the lead a couple of times and Duke remained calm, remained poised and was able to kind of battle back. But from there, North Carolina ends the half on a 23 to 13 run. That was a pretty important stretch of the ball game because as we'll discuss in that second half, Duke just couldn't quite get over the hump. What did you make of those last seven, eight minutes of the first half, Josh? JJ has been like this for the last five games. I've from the Duke report account, I've tweeted about it a few times, uh, how Duke finishes the first half. And then oftentimes how they begin the second half has just not been up to par. It just hasn't. Duke has not closed out the first half well. They've not started the second half well. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's fatigue. I don't know. I'm sure that that you know all of us armchair quarterbacks have our opinions, you know, about you know what they should and shouldn't do. Uh, but the fact is this: the and I know it was more like seven minutes of this game, but the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half, Duke has been at a disadvantage. It seems in the last four to five, six games. And so, you know, it was no different that night uh, on Saturday night. I remember um, looking up at one point, I believe it was the uh, under four timeout and Duke was down by eight. I think it was like 339 left and I tweeted, it'll be interesting to see what the what the score is at halftime. Duke is down by eight with three over three minutes to go. And sure enough, we were down 10. And so instead of cutting into that lead and it being, you know, two points, four points, whatever it could be, you know, UNC was able to push it out another bucket. And so uh, that's something that's got to be addressed on this team. Uh, you cannot you cannot close out the first half struggling and then subsequently not start the second half strong as well. Taking a look at that second half of play, we'll get into this further as we continue in this conversation, but Duke is never able to make it a two-possession game, right? You've got to get to that six-point margin where a stop and two three-point buckets can get the game back even. That never happens. It's a 10-point halftime deficit. Several times, Duke was able to cut it down to eight. Mm -hmm. And with about 25 seconds left, Kyle Filipowski made a dunk to cut the margin or deficit down to seven. But then Baycott had the walk-off dunk to make it a nine-point loss for the Duke Blue Devils. But uh, it just kind of felt like if you can get to a two-possession game maybe – then you know that's a little bit more pressure on North Carolina. Maybe they're forced to take a couple of timeouts, and Duke just couldn't get over that hump. So there was one specific time uh, uh, Duke had cut it to eight, and they had a transition break, and they hit uh, Jared McCain over on the left-hand side, and he had a wide-open shot, and Jared had an incredible game, but he didn't shoot his best from three in this game. And if that, if that one goes down, I was sitting beside – uh, Connor O'Neill, who's I know as a, as a guest on here periodically, sit beside Connor, and we both were like, if that goes down, it's probably a different. You know, it's going to be a different game, and it didn't go down. UNC got the rebound. I forget if they scored or not, but it was a chance for Duke, like you mentioned, to get to that not just six, but down to five at that point, and then everything changes, the momentum changes, uh, but it just didn't happen. And I mean, that's just, listen, anytime you lose a basketball game. You can point back to like, hey, at this spot, if that shot goes in, it's a different story. In this possession, if that guy doesn't foul, it's a different – you know what I mean? Like whatever it is. And so that was one of them. 
uh, that stuck out clearly in my mind. But you're right, Duke was never able to get over the hump. All credit to to UNC for coming out and doing what they had to do. Uh, they 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 found their advantages and they continued to work those advantages. And so kudos to Hubert Davis um, having his guys ready for making sure you know game plan was right and um, and they got to win. UNC gets the win over Duke, the Tar Heels, the number three team in the country, and a big win for them after losing to Georgia Tech earlier in the week, and now they've got a two-game margin in the hunt for an ACC regular season title. Let's talk about some of those individual performances for the Tar Heels that haunted the Blue Devils, and we'll do that after our first time out here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Locked On Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. It's got a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have so many quality candidates. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn wants to help you out. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's move forward here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Josh Cox from Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast, also from the Duke Report for his basketball coverage throughout the season. Josh joins us now. We'll talk a little bit about some of these individual performances that we saw from North Carolina first in this game. A lot of headlines for Armando Baycott and Harrison Ingram. And we talked a lot about energy and effort. Another big play in the second half that I'll have you speak to, Josh, was Harrison Ingram diving on the floor for a loose ball, grabs the offensive rebound, and and from his tailbone, essentially, kind of makes a skip pass over to Cormac Ryan, lands in his hands, and Ryan's able to make one of his two three-point shots on the night. That brought the margin back up to double digits and uh, just a gut punch in that sequence, but it just spoke to the kind of night one Harrison Ingram was having. And then all in all the energy and effort that the Tar Heels were playing with. Yeah. I mean, Harrison Ingram played an incredible, I mean, he was, he was incredible. And he was an X factor, you know, going into this of, you know, uh, but, but I believe that everybody uh, on the Duke side thought, okay, well, Mark Mitchell match up with him. And, you know, essentially, you know, I don't see him having a great game. Well, it was interesting because he was getting, it was like he was getting those ball reversal and, and, and Carolina was making that extra pass and like they were catching Duke having to double down on Baycott and then that that ball movement from the double down on Baycott was opening up that opposite corner and that just happened to be where Ingram was and he was hitting his shots, man. Like he couldn't miss there for a little while. Um, and so, I mean, listen, from the Duke perspective, uh, what was it, 12 points a game that Ingram been, have been averaging? Same with Baycott. And so, right. of course, you know, from the Duke narrative, uh, those two guys that were averaging 12 points a game are going to come out and 
and they're going to score 20, 25 and 21 respectively. Like, of course they're going to do that. But, uh, but listen, they hit shots and Duke didn't, uh, Baycott. Um, I mean, six months ago, JJ, back in the summer, when you were having a three day a week uh, podcast, <laughs> and we were like, "What are we going to talk about uh, this early in the season?" You and I sat here and said, "Duke did not land the rim protector. They did not land the guy in the portal. They tried. They talked to three, four, five, you know, guys in the portal. For whatever reason, they were never able to land one of them, and that was going to be an issue on this basketball team. Well, guess what?" 12 points a game, Armando Baycott, who Derek Lively absolutely ate, ate his lunch last year, had an incredible game. You know why? Because Kyle Filipowski is a better perimeter defender than he is a post defender. And Ryan Young is not going to stop Armando Baycott. So, like, what is Duke going to do? Um, and and that's, that is a, actually a really great question. And I'll, I'll be interested to see how John Shire – going into the second game of this rivalry, you know, in a couple of weeks, um, how that's going to play out. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how Duke matches up against a team that has a big guy that can sit his butt down there on the low block and can either get to the foul line or, or has good touch and, and can score in the low block. Baycott was living it up on Saturday night. It was his world, a big game for him, uh, uh, the big dunk and the in lay-in that he had. Um, with Kyle Filipowski defending him and giving the too small gesture that the whole bench is freaking out. That was, Duke had kind of cut it to an eight-point game once again at that moment, trying to get back over the top. And, yeah, every time they needed a big play, he delivered. Yeah, for sure. And real quick, I know we're talking about UNC's uh, individual stats, yeah. but, but if you look at, like, the team stuff, like, here's a recipe to get beat. If you're Duke, okay, you lose the three point percent in shooting. UNC shoots 38%, Duke shoots 26%, right? Uh, you lose the rebounds were equal, which I'll actually give Duke a win there. To me, equal rebounding is a Duke win, but you lose the assist battle by 10. Yeah. Eight to 18. You lose the steals battle, four to nine. You turn the ball over 10 times, they turn the ball over five times. They get 19 points off of those turnovers. You foul them 18 times. They foul you 12 times. And the fast break points, it was 16 to 12, but I believe a couple, four of those or something were at towards the end there for Duke because Duke did not have fast break points all throughout the game. Those are just – you cannot lose those statistical categories as a team and think you're going to win a basketball game anywhere in the ACC, much less on the road – Against your arch rivals. No doubt. Great point to bring up. Absolutely. I want to look at the points off turnovers and uh, specifically there with the Stuke basketball team. One final note on Baycott, 25 points on Saturday in the past four games combined. He had fewer than 25 points. The very first game of the season, Baycott scored 25, but hasn't scored that much since. Last year against Duke, he scored 17 and 13 in the final four matchup against Duke. He only had 11 points. Coach K's final game at Cameron, he had 23. So outside of that last game in Cameron, this was by far his best game that he's ever played for Duke, and they needed it. So tip yeah. of the cap to Armando Paycott. Hopefully, uh, you know, we've only got one more matchup against this guy, maybe two if we meet in the NCAA tur- or ACC tournament. And uh, this is a year I think that Duke would love to play those guys 
two more times and beat them both times uh, to kind of win the season series. But 19 to seven points off turnovers, a 12 point margin for these two teams in favor of North Carolina. Duke lost by nine. That is a big swing in what we watched in the game on Saturday night. And and if I may say, with all due credit to UNC's defense, some of those turnovers that they scored points off of were just lazy passes. They were Duke just not being strong with the basketball, Uh, throwing a – a pass that should have been on a line. They're lobbing a pass that that UNC's gets in front of. Um, I mean, it, it was it was obvious in the first half. I mean, there were three, probably three different times where Duke just made a boneheaded play on offense. No doubt that led to a layup on the other end. And so you're exactly right, JJ. Like, uh, you know that that's a double whammy, right? It's like it's like make a mistake, but don't let that mistake compound and so you make a mistake by not taking care of the basketball on the offensive end immediately turns into a mistake and giving up a layup on the other end you can't win basketball games giving up that kind of points off turnovers Uh, I think there was a play I don't know if it was in the first or second half but to that point uh, I'm picturing Filipowski and Foster out at the top of the key I definitely remember Filipowski just a simple pass and it's like Filipowski still kind of jumping in the air for whatever reason, out towards the three-point line to yep. catch it, and it results in a wide-open layup on the yep. other end of the floor uh, for North Carolina. So brutal, brutal day uh, for the Duke basketball team because they've been so good at taking care of the basketball. We talked all week about, look, if you can get into the half court, that's where Duke feels comfortable. And North Carolina has had this big run of not letting opponents get to 70 points. Georgia Tech got to 74 earlier in the week. Duke scored 84. Like Duke scored. They got opportunities to score. Um, It just, I don't know. It just, it wasn't clicking um, all together. And those turnovers were really costly. Well, here's the thing too. I mean, Duke only had 11 turnovers. And if you take that, I mean, you're, you're thinking in your mind, okay, that's not crazy. But here's the thing. There's a, there, to me, there are two different types of turnovers. There's a dead ball turnover, okay? You dribble it off your foot out of bounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever. Dead ball, UNC brings it in, your defense is set up. Then there's yeah. live ball turnovers. Should be, a sep- should be a separate stat because live ball turnover is where they get the ball in transition, and then it's a matter of are they going to take it to the hole or are they going to kick it out for the three, uh, for the guy following, you know, trailing the break, whatever it is. Um, and so, Duke, it seemed like nearly every one of their 11 turnovers were live ball turnovers. You know, and, and it immediately turns into an offensive possession for UNC, usually with numbers, right? Usually live ball turnovers turn into some sort of fast break or secondary break where UNC has numbers. And it happened, it seemed like, over and over and over again. It would actually be interesting to find out how many of Duke's 11 turnovers were dead ball because I don't, I, I don't remember many. There was a uh, also talking about some of these turnovers and, and thinking about the game at large for the Stuke basketball team um, in the first half, a big sequence where we missed a media timeout because there was just no stoppage in action. So unbelievably rare. I know we had a moment like that uh, in the Virginia Tech game earlier in the week for Duke, but like the timeout came like 20 minutes or 20 seconds prior to the eight minute mark. This time on Saturday night, we flew all the way through that and then got to come out 
play until the next whistle. And unfortunately for Duke, that next whistle was a shot clock violation. They went to a media break with Duke basketball and come out with a shot clock violation, immediately sending it to another break. At the end of the day, one possession doesn't change the outcome of this game. But thinking about that first half and that 23-13 to run that North Carolina had to end it, it's things like that where you just can't have a shot clock violation coming out of a timeout break. Well, and let's be honest who it was. It was Kyle Filipowski with the basketball had no idea yeah. that the shot clock was going down. And and listen, like maybe we put too much stock in some of these guys and maybe we maybe Duke fans live in the past, you know, with some of our with some of the heady players that we've had, but like you're right. Like I don't know if that's on John Shire, I don't know if that's on Kyle Filipowski, I don't know if that's on Jeremy Roach as as the four-year guy. But you cannot come out of a timeout huddle and your players not know how much time is left on that shot clock. And so you're right. There, there was a dead ball turnover. That's one out of, yeah. the, out of the 11. <laughs> you're right. That was a big one. And it's just like one of those facepalm moments where you're just like, guys, how do you not see that? Right. Tough. Brutal. Brutal. Yeah. All right, let's talk a little bit more about some of those individual performances for Duke, and we'll do that after we take one more timeout, our last timeout here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. All right, Locked On Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. It is officially Super Bowl week. How excited are you? Because I tell you what, we are fired up for this. It's getting ready for the Super Bowl Sunday. It's all about scoring the best seat on the couch grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets, doing all of that with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets on which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers can join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on for you to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL and the Locked On Podcast Network. Back on Lockdown Blue Devils here today alongside Josh Cox from Duke Football Talk's Section 17 podcast. Speaking of our friends over at FanDuel, the North Carolina Tar Heels were about four-and-a-half-point favorites over Duke, so they covered that spread there. Uh, And then, yeah, make sure you go check them out. Super Bowl Sunday coming up this weekend. The line has stayed pretty consistent, wavering a little bit by uh, San Francisco one-and-a-half, San Francisco two, kind of back and forth throughout the week. What's your gut telling you about the Super Bowl, Josh? Um, my gut is saying that I have a hard time betting money against Patrick Mahomes. I'm in the same boat with you. Yeah. You know, uh, with that being said, not having like an allegiance per se to either team, this would be an incredible story for Brock Purdy. It, w- it would validate any naysayers that he has, Mr. Irrelevant, uh, leading that offense as a – as a Panthers guy, we all kind of like the Panthers. You know, it'd be nice to see McCaffrey get a get a ring. Yep. Um, you know, would would like that. So, 
you know, the, but you got Noah Gray on the Chiefs. I've actually got a Noah Gray uh, T-shirt jersey coming in the mail in time for our Super Bowl party. We're going to. <laughs> so I'm rocking the I'm rocking the backup tight end, the real the real tight end. Forget this Travis Kelsey guy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, imagine if Taylor Swift had met Noah Gray first. That's all right. I can say. But anyway, <laughs> no. Um, but but if you say put your money on it, I'm gonna put my money on on Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I'm right there with you for sure. So, um, all right, let's wrap up our conversation here today. Uh, again, a, a tough loss for Duke, losing by nine, 93-84. And as we talked about earlier, Duke had three 20-point scores. Jared McCain, absolutely remarkable in this basketball game. Jeremy Roach had 20, and Kyle Filipowski had 20 points on the game as well. What did you make of uh, some of those individual performances, Josh? Well, I mean, let's start on the positive end. I mean, Jared McCain, listen, the kid's special. The kid is special. Uh, <laughs> I was back um, by the Duke locker room uh, waiting for the guys to come out, and Mac Brown and the um, a couple of the coaches from the football team from UNC had about 15 recruits or so with them back there. By the way, Mac Brown, super nice dude. Didn't know me, but he was like looking at me like he, like it was like he thought he might have known me or something. And he was like asking me how I was doing. And like just a kind man. I, I, I would like give him credit. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> um, but those recruits were sitting right there. And Duke was coming back in from like their final warm-up. And they go back in and then they come out officially. And so like a couple of those players came. And literally the Carolina recruits had their phones out. And they're like, we just want to see Jared McCain. <laughs> I was like. Just kind of listen. I'm like, that's interesting because you got Jeremy Roach and Filipowski and like some of the world. They're like, no, nah, we want to, we want to see Jerry McCain. And like when McCain came through, they were all like, like got him on the there phone. It's like, which I thought that was that was crazy. The, the Carolina fans were giving him a hard time, you know, before the game. But I mean, listen, he he came out. Not only did he score, uh, he scored in a different way than what we're used to. You know, yeah. he was not hitting the three like he typically does. Um, he was taking the ball to the basket, scoring uh, difficult shots. His touch um, around the rim, some yeah. of those lay-ins that he had, it's like that's back rim and that's not going to fall. And, and he proved us all wrong because it didn't yeah. fall. <laughs> and then the rebounding. I mean, yeah. he is proving to be one of the better rebounding guards in, in the NCAA, you know, field, really. If you look at it that if you look at it in the country, I mean he's 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 getting to the getting to the boards and he's not big. I mean, he's not tall. He doesn't jump out of the gym in any way. To me, that's just the effort. We talked about effort. Earlier on in the podcast, JJ, like he he showed it there. So you have that uh, getting a little bit more cynical. I've never seen a player play a worse basketball game and have twenty points than Kyle Filipowski. You know, just shoot straight with you. Yeah. Disappointing. Uh, I, I I was make, commenting on between him and where I'm going to head in a minute. My guy Mark Mitchell. I don't know if there are two like more awkward players sometimes with the basketball. Like sometimes Filipowski gets the ball. And he just like trips and falls and stumbles and and Mark Mitchell does the same thing unorthodox, sure. and so like that's just odd. I don't know what to make of it. I I really felt like that Filipowski was going to be able to exploit the Armando Baycott matchup on the offensive side, take him out a little bit, drive on him. He never was. And now, granted, it was a physical game, and the referees allowed it to be, and that's fine. I didn't think I thought I actually thought the officials were fine uh, Saturday night, but they did allow a lot of uh, on both ends. They allowed a lot, and that does not help benefit Duke at all. Uh, Duke needed the quick whistle. Duke needed Baycott getting a foul or two, right? You know, 
five minutes into the game. So let me, let me, and then let me, I know we got a, I think Roach, right? Yeah. Roach had another 20 point game, right? Correct. Uh, for Jeremy Roach. But here's one that is interesting, JJ, Mark Mitchell. He plays 37 minutes, more than Jeremy Roach. Only Jared McCain played more minutes in this game. He does not commit one foul. He has no steals. Like, where was he? I like I know he scored a few points, some junk buckets, but like, I mean, he wasn't guarding Harrison Ingram properly. He was getting caught in rotation. Like, if Martin Mitchell is playing 37 minutes, his defensive effort, my man needs three fouls. Like he like to me, when you don't have any fouls called on you and you play that much and you're that four guy, yeah, like you should be doubling back on Baycott and you'll hit him a couple of times. Like whatever it may be, like I just felt like it was a game where he stayed in the game, but like the the impact just was not there. And so I thought that was an interesting stat line. 37 minutes of play in that game, zero fouls. It's like good thought. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's quite interesting. Did you get lost? He may have gotten lost in those rotations. Like, right. You know what I mean? I mean, just it is what it is. But like, I don't know. Like, that's one of that's one of Mark's strengths is his ability to get in there on defense and mix it up with the guys. And when you get in on defense and mix it up, you're going to get some fouls called on you. And it just didn't happen. I thought it was a very, a very interesting stat. But then I guess I'll finish it off on the positive end with Mr. Jeremy Roach. I mean, the first half, Jeremy was on fire. Oh, I can't say any more. I mean, about uh, good about the guy. I mean, I you know, there's obviously some things that like if you could create a perfect basketball player, you might add to Jeremy's game. Jeremy's not perfect, but Jeremy's awesome. Jeremy played really well. And shout out to Tyrese Proctor had a terrible offensive game, but he did do a good job on R.J. Davis. Uh, on a doubt. R.J. was five for fourteen or whatever it was. Scored, I think, six points towards the very end of the game, or else he would have had right around ten or eleven for the game, and, and and Tyrese really did a good job on him. We'll have more comments coming up a little bit later in the week on this episode of Locked on Blue Devils. Josh, you're the best as always. Uh, tell folks once again where they can find all your stuff. Yeah, for basketball, uh, at Duke Report. Uh, you can follow us there. I'll be in Cameron Wednesday uh, for the Notre Dame game. Uh, when I'm not there, Freddie Hodges is there, and so we try to keep uh, things uh, rolling. To give you a little bit of behind the scenes, we were able to be back by the locker room and stuff at the UNC game. We try to bring you some stuff like that. So, at Duke Report is where you can find uh, my basketball stuff, and then personal is at Joshua Cox. We'll check it all out. Thanks for the time, Josh. We'll do this again soon, okay? Have a great week, JJ. We'll see you, man. All right, that's Josh Cox joining us here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils, and that's going to do it for our show here today. Thank you so much for your support. As always, go follow us on uh, social media at LO underscore Blue Devils and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That'll do it for today's show. As always, go do. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.